Welcome back to another edition of What's Next Longevity Deal Talk. In this edition, Innovations in Financial Wellness. We'll be talking to an innovative company that just won an Age Tech Empire Startups Financial Wellness Pitch Competition. This episode is made possible by the Age Tech Collaborative from AARP. Consumers over 50 contribute $8.3 trillion every year to the U.S. economy. This contribution is projected to grow to $13 trillion by 2030, when the first millennials begin to turn 50. At AARP, we know that generating big new ideas and launching thriving products into this growing economy requires a concerted effort to work together. This is why we're launching the Age Tech Collaborative, standing at the intersection of technology and longevity. The Age Tech Collaborative is a community designed to bring together the leading minds in age tech, including disruptive startups, forward-thinking investors, enlightened industry leaders, and creative test beds to tackle the most important issues facing us all. The Age Tech Collaborative will help you discover innovative age tech solutions, connect with the age tech community, and grow your impact as a leader in the age tech industry. Apply today to join our growing community committed to creating solutions that help people choose how they live as they age. You'll be in great company when you join. We are glad you are with us. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Mary Furlong. Hi, Mary. Hi, Fred. Uh, so excited to be back with another deal talk and a really important topic, especially now, innovations in financial wellness. And joining us are Aurelie Cornett from the AARP Age Tech Collaborative, Director of Business Development there. Hi, Aurelie. Hi, Fred. Hi, Mary. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here today. From FinTech for Longevity, numeral four in the middle there, based in Israel, founder and CEO, Ira Sobel. Hi, Ira. Hi, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. And from FraudFinder, no E at the end of FraudFinder, F-I-N-D-R, founder and CEO, Karen Weber. Hi, Karen. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for having me. So Karen, I watched you pitch. Great job. You were the winner of the $10,000 top prize at the Age Tech and Financial Wellness Pitch Day with Empire FinTech and the Age Tech Collaborative. Congratulations. And you really have discovered a key pain point, uh, the fraud with older adults. Thank you. Yeah, I'm a forensic accountant by background. So this is something that we live and breathe every day. Well, we're going to turn first to Aura Lee uh, to give us a little bit of background and why the focus on financial wellness and surrounding issues, Aura Lee. Yes. Well, we already know that the majority of older adults wish to age in place. They want to remain as independent as possible for the long term. So usually when we think about that, we think in terms of accessibility, health, you know, mobility, uh, but planning for retirement and other financial needs is also playing a crucial role in helping people age in place, uh, live independently longer and pursue a passion or other goals. 
therefore, it's going to be really important to uh, increasingly important to find ways to incorporate modern fintech solutions to make savings and retirement planning as sustainable and attainable as possible. Uh, so that's why with the HTech Collaborative from AARP, it was designed with the vision of discovering innovation, accelerating technology, and fostering collaboration among an entire ecosystem of companies, so from startups to Fortune 500 companies, investors, test beds, to bring more modern solutions to this $8.3 trillion economy and make aging easier for everyone. So we work with startups within the fintech space, among other verticals. Uh, we help them refine and grow their solutions, hopefully maximize the impact they can have on individuals to live longer and happier lifespans. And it overall helps advance AARP's social mission on empowering people to choose how they want to live as they age. So it's really nice to see ARP at the forefront of it. Absolutely. And you get a lot of insight from your members about these issues. Can you talk about some of the key problems faced by older adults and maybe some of the opportunities for startup entrepreneurs and investors? Certainly. So part of the HTech Collaborative is organizing virtual workshops and roundtables on various topics. We do that um, obviously virtually until it's a little bit safer to do it in person, but we hosted a FinTech roundtable where we share some of the findings from focus groups back in June. And what we discovered during the session was that the 50 plus were very concerned about both their current financial state as well as preparing for the future. And so we kind of regroup this into three buckets of concerns, if you will, in no specific order, but the first one was the cost of living increasing while the income stays the same. And there's no surprise here with the recent inflation, rumors of a looming recession. It's certainly accentuating the fear around financial wellness in general. Um, the second concern was savings for emergencies of any kind, whether they might be you know, medical or any other type of emergencies. And then the last bucket was fraud in general, as well as building trust for um, modern fintech companies, as well as modern fintech solutions. The 50 plus have greater trust in traditional financial institutions, uh, but just like any challenge, obviously there's some opportunities for companies to seize. And I think if we look at the current state of the fintech market, the recent pandemic really forced the 50 plus to lean into fintech. So data shows that more than half of men and women 50 plus are currently using an app for banking. And that's not likely gonna go away. I mean, anything from digital payment, online banking, Anything that's increasing convenience and also that we saw an increase in usage and adoption during the pandemic is likely to grow. And I have a little um, data here that I wanted to share with the group that I think is very telling. The use of digital wallets grew from 6.5% of total e-commerce in 2019 to 44.4% in 2020. And this is huge. So what does it tell us? It tells us that the 50 plus are tech and financial savvy. They recognize the relevance and the importance of planning for the future. And I think right there, we can see that there are a lot of opportunities for growth and innovation within that space. Absolutely. Well, let's get the perspective of Ira Sobel from the uh, FinTech for Longevity. Tell us more about the company, first of all, the story behind it. So um, my research was about the economic aspects of aging. And what I did is a comparative analysis of what happens to household wealth, both in Israel, but also abroad over time from the age of 50 and above. And uh, I was then interested in what's the role of financial technology in helping people, for example, moderate the relationship between health and wealth. So 
especially women, how can we use technology to make to moderate the effect of health shocks on depletion of wealth? So <clears throat> I went and then I did an interview of about 150 stakeholders and asked myself, what are the existing technologies that can help people to moderate this effect of aging? How can we stop or at least minimize the depletion effect? And I uh, interviewed about, I just, as I said, about 150 stakeholders from all over the world, banks, insurance companies, asset management firms, and came up with an ecosystem map for the first time, I think that someone did it quite thoroughly. And uh, in the about two years ago, we published this map. I can tell you more about what are the categories of FinTech for aging and longevity. But I'm happy that you call it financial wellness and not only FinTech for aging and longevity, because it's not only about the technologies that can help people and older people as they age, plan for retirement, but also helping family caregivers. And what we see is the huge role of the financial institutions, financial regulators, insurance companies, asset management firms in improving the financial well-being of people as they age. So it's FinTech as um, a core technology that can help people, but we speak more broadly on uh, financial innovation and uh, financial wellness. I can speak a little bit later about how we divide what we found in the research and what this ecosystem map shows. And in, in this coming uh, January, we're going to publish the third ecosystem map of FinTech for Aging and Longevity. And I think we're going to see very new and interesting things. For yes, example, more on women's longevity, more things that weren't there before and expanding the uh, expanding ecosystem also of client protection. That's so important. So we want to cover that when you come out with your new chart. Um, give us your perspective on the age tech market and where you see the largest opportunities. I think we've discovered one on this podcast, but what are the areas where you see the greatest growth opportunity? Um, I think the grow, the huge growth opportunity is helping people with chronic illness navigate their finances. And as we see, for example, there are almost 30 million people in the US who suffer from diabetes type two, which is more lifestyle illness. And these people are really struggling with everything to do with out-of-pocket expenses, uh, utilization of rights of, um, of their uh, uh, medical insurance, but also Medicare and Medicaid. I think here, and it's always somewhere between insurtech and fintech and utilization of rights and consumer tech. I think that there's a huge opportunity in helping people with chronic illness um, <clears throat> navigate their finances or helping their family caregivers with, with all the, um, uh, the financial burden. So we see a lot of financial caregivers, but also what we call administrative caregivers. And I think there's a huge opportunity here because as life uh, is longer, chronic illness will be also longer. So we see here a huge opportunity. I just gave the example of diabetes type two, but there are more like um, 
others like heart failure and um, lungs disease and uh, hypertension and other other things. So I think here's it's something between health and wealth using technology. We call it Fin Health Tech. Soon we are going to publish a white paper on that. So there's a lot of um, intersection between health and wealth, and I think health tech and wealth and wealth tech or health tech and fintech can play a huge role in developing new solutions for the aging population. I just want to respond to that because at 76, where the top of the boomers are, um, they have multiple chronic conditions. And if you are in arthritis pain or um, diabetes pain, neuropathy, it's very hard to focus on management of everything else when you're in pain. So I, I do think this intersection between chronic disease management and financial uh, management is really important. Absolutely. Well, one of the startups attracting attention, having just won the Age Tech Collaborative Empire Startups Financial Wellness Pitch Competition, is Fraud Finder. Fraud, F-I-N-D-R. And Karen, take us through what you do and how this company came about. Yeah, I started this company uh, in 2019 was when I first started kind of courting developers. Um, but the idea for it came out of my practice. I'm a CPA by education, and uh, I spent about five years in a litigation um, services group. And I just fell in love with this work that I had been doing since college, which was forensic accounting for financial abuse cases. And financial abuse cases were largely perpetrated against older adults because of course they had accumulated wealth over their lifetimes. They had the money, that's where the fraudsters went. So um, after spending five years with the firm, I said, you know what, this is just an area that I love that I wanna pursue. And so I hung out my own shingle and I did that and the, the practice really grew alongside New York State's enhanced multidisciplinary team program. New York State used some federal funding to put together multidisciplinary teams so that when a referral of elder abuse, specifically financial exploitation was made to adult protective services or law enforcement or came through perhaps the medical system, a bunch of us in those you know, multidisciplinary areas would sit around a table and triage the cases and say, okay, you know what? I have this information about this individual. This is what I can do to assist this investigation. So as a forensic accountant for our part, when all of those records came back, financial records by subpoena, law enforcement may have submitted for them, adult protective services, the individuals receiving those, our first responders, they don't have the experience in tracing assets. They don't have the experience of doing white collar crime investigations. So it had to be outsourced. And as those teams grew across the state and now they're growing nationally, um, there's a national movement toward building these teams and communities. The demand for forensic accountants was huge, but we had two problems. One, forensic accountants were few and far between, um, especially in rural and tribal regions and funding was really limited. So you couldn't pay a CPA a three-figure hourly rate for every single case that came through, especially when these cases take 40 hours of really specialized labor. So um, I have been in practice on my own for about seven years and it was rattling around in my brain that 
the only answer to this is technology. That is the only thing that's going to be able to handle the volume of cases and deliver a consistent, accurate report every single time. And not only does that technology needs, need to exist, it needs to be put directly into the hands of the first responders, right? Not the specialists. Um, and so that's what we did. We built FraudFinder. 2020, I signed a contract with a developer. Certainly I had no coding background. I had to hire someone to do that. And uh, we spent the next two years really refining this tool, practicing our own cases in the CPA firm on it to make sure that it was accurate, that it was producing the results that we wanted. And we just launched this spring. And you know, for these agencies, it's been a real godsend because finally they have a tool that can address the influx of uh, financial exploitation referrals. Yeah, so important. You know, I think of the olden days where we wrote a check and now you and you work intergenerationally, people want to be paid through Zelle or through these new forms. Well, that's new brands to older adults. And we have to understand that. And there's this. So what do you see are some of the biggest fraud threats to older adults today? Sure. Anything cyber related is huge nowadays. And honestly, that's where most of our fraud comes from day to day. Um, and, and, and cyber related really is kind of this all encompassing term. So that could be a romance scam, right? A user signing into social media and falling in love with someone. Yes, it's a romance scam. It, it's frankly one of the most prevalent um, and expensive scams that are out there right now. Um, the other uh, sweepstakes and lottery scams. You won X, but you need to pay me Y before I send you your proceeds. And you know we had the we struggle a lot on our EMDTs across New York State with how do you talk to victims about this? How do you convince them that this is a scam? No, you're not going to be paid. No, a Mercedes is not going to be dropped off in your driveway. It, uh, you know, it, it's kind of like there's almost an addiction to it, you know, like gambling, but, but, but it's going to happen. You know, if I just sign this one more form or if I talk to this one more person, I've got to answer this phone. Um, but phishing is a big one too. email scams. So an individual, a scammer poses as a financial institution and they make it look really official. They may pose as, you know, a trustworthy brand saying I need, or a government agency saying I need this bank account information to process X, Y, Z. We saw this a lot in COVID, right? When the stimulus payments came out. And scammers would pose as the government saying, we need to know the bank account to deposit this, please provide it. And an older adult would, any of us would, many, it didn't matter uh, what age the individual was. So that's kind of the all-encompassing threat of cyber-related fraud. You know, and I wonder, you know, it's good news, bad news. Good news is uh, people on Social Security are going to be getting this almost 9% uh, cost of living increase next year. The bad news is, first of all, that, that it was needed <laughs> to that extent. But when people are going to be getting a, at least a couple of hundred dollars extra every month, I guess that's viewed by people who would perpetrate fraud as an opportunity. So I guess uh, people need to be wary of that. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of these things are the same. It's the same crime, just perpetrated in a bunch of different ways. Now you're going to get someone calling up and saying, we're going to increase your social security, but you need to provide your bank account information so we know where to deposit it. And it's the same thing all over again. So be aware. <laughs> so Orly, let's talk more about the opportunity. I was really impressed by all of the finalists and some of the issues like credit card debt. So 
what are some of the other companies that you're working with in the Age Tech Collaborative? Yes, uh, first of all, just listening to Ira and Karen, it's it, it, there's a lot of opportunities within the fintech space on so many different, you know, you can take so many different avenues. Um, but so for us within the HTech Collaborative, the way we are identifying maybe what we would call, you know, primary fintech drivers as being key opportunities post-pandemic, uh, we are going to be focusing more specifically around fintech itself. And this is what we look at when we're working with different founders. So again, in no particular order, uh, one of the drivers we had identified is fraud prevention. So just like solutions like Fraud Finder is offering. Uh, another one was mortgage. So we work with a startup called Trust uh, and Will. So they um, they were part of one of our cohorts. They successfully uh, you know, graduated from the accelerator program that we have. And now they're part of the collaborative and they offer um, online estate planning. So that's another key driver. Um, a third one, anything that has to do with banking and payment solutions. So as an example, uh, the company called MyFlock, they offer an expense and payment solution to empower older adults to support easy and secure management of expenses. And I think uh, Dr. Ira Sobel that mentioned it, it's also a huge help for the caregivers because they're able to all of a sudden access also and, and help manage all of the financial and expenses uh, that comes with taking care of someone, uh, you know, an, an older adult. And the last bucket uh, we have identified is investment and retirement planning. Uh, so an, an, another example of one of the founders we work with that's in the collaborative, I think they were part of our uh, most recent cohort, actually, a company called Paperwork. So what they do is uh, they offer financial wellness through a platform and it automatically organizes and monitors and analyzes all of your financial assets. So from your financial accounts, insurance policies, other important documents, and it's providing some guidance to um, help improve financial outcomes. And they focus at every stage of life. Very interestingly, they're not just focusing on retirement. So we're always looking for the best and brightest startups within the HTech space. And uh, we source those startups through competitions and pitch events, just like the one that was organized with Empire FinTech last week. Really great work. And now the competition had several companies focused on uh, credit card and uh, credit solutions. And while that may not sound specifically focused on older adults, Mary, uh, you've pointed out in our conversations that, that credit problems uh, of children have an impact, sometimes a very dramatic impact on, on older adults. So this really is intergenerational. Ira, what are your thoughts about that? And maybe you want to share some more of our of your data with us as well, yeah. that whatever you can talk about. So um, I think there is also a huge opportunity in the untapped home equity in the US. And this is the size of the market is really the largest. It's $9 trillion, according to the data I'm familiar with. And I think that we need to find new solutions that combine between credit, healthcare, and home equity. And I think that really we need an out-of-the-box think thinking of who is the best distributor or distribution channels to help people with cost of living and be well prepared for any health shocks by using their untapped home equity. And there is a company uh, called 65, which I'm on the bo their board. They're doing a, something very interesting that combines between a, cr a credit solution and home equity. 
And uh, 65 is doing really something revolutionary because they're helping with helping older adults to age in place and at the same time convert their home equity into retirement income. So I think this is a huge opportunity for many startups in the space because home equity is a resource and is an asset that can be easily converted into retirement income. So we're looking forward to see more on this uh, in this uh, in this space. So we've um, seen advertising for a long time for reverse mortgages and, and such. Is that what you're talking about or is this a new kind of vehicle? It's a new kind of vehicle. It's not reverse mortgage. It's something different because uh, it's it's more on as uh, a retirement income. It's not like a reverse mortgage that is something quite traditional. And I think that it was uh, always uh, uh, historically or traditionally quite complicated to to sell reverse mortgages to older people. And this uh, 65, they're doing something a little bit different. So it's not a reverse mortgage, it's really a retirement income, a constant income that can be um, uh, <clears throat> can be combined together with uh, um, a, a debit card. So I think it's a little bit different. It's uh, a credit uh, solution rather than a reverse mortgage. And you can read about the differences um, on their, on their website. So beside the uh, this opportunity of untapped home equity, I think really it's important to look at the, the intergenerational transfers. And this is an $80 trillion transfer that we're going to see in the next couple of, of, of years between the silent generation and the baby boomers moving their wealth to the uh, to the Gen X and the uh, and the rest of the generations. And also here, I think there's an untapped market of what are the best mechanism to do this uh, transfer? Um, is it going to be in vivo, meaning is it going to do to be where people are still alive? How can we use, how can we liquidate the parents' assets to help the children uh, for uh, for their kids' education, for their uh, home um, retirement planning, for the home, their own building of new assets and building their future. So as we see that the life is uh, extending. So as we saw with the uh, with the Queen of uh, of England, uh, so she, her son he waited very long so that he can become king. So I think this is a very interesting example of probably finding new ways to um, not only about trust and wills as you, you spoke before, but new ways because intergenerational transfers are not starting only after someone uh, passes away. We need to find new ways to see how this can be controlled through technology. Um, so we see the differences between the directions of the intergenerational transfers, either it's from parents to their adult children or from the adult children to their parents. So I think there's a lot of opportunity in developing solutions, maybe together with financial services or, or banks, to see how to monitor and manage the finances of the family as a, as a business unit and helping everyone with more transparency 
um, maybe helping siblings with disputes that sometimes arise in these uh, areas. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for uh, innovation in this space. All right, and Oralee will get you to comment uh, on this as well, because, you know, as we mentioned, some of the companies that uh, that participated in the pitch, uh, credit companies, that that's, that's everyone, but there is this this uh, connection between the generations uh, that uh, one certainly impacts the other. Absolutely. And I, I, I would say this is the main takeaway uh, from the recent pitch event, as well as, I guess, this overall conversation today. Uh, fintech is an intergenerational topic. And of course, obviously, we can all benefit from innovative solutions that will help us save more, spend smarter, avoid fraud. But I think we're seeing, and um, Ira mentioned it, we're seeing a generational shift that's happening. The majority of baby boomers right now representing the 50 plus demographic, this will shift over the next 20 years with uh, millennials and Gen X becoming the predominant generations that will be 50 plus by 2040, it's around the corner. And these generations will be in broader terms probably more diverse and tech savvy and they will more likely turn to innovative technologies and solutions to solve not only their day-to-day -day problems, but also plan for themselves and future generations. So just echoing what Dr. Ir Sobel was saying, we're already seeing this intergenerational aspect within FinTech solutions today. And so from a caregiver perspective, we use the example of um, my flock, for instance, so adult children managing the finances of their parents or grandparents. And reversely, we're seeing the grandparents or older adults planning for their children or grandchildren's future through transfer of wealth, inheritance, financial advice, savings, so on and so forth. So there are a lot of opportunities for businesses to capitalize on the intergenerational dependence when they're developing fintech products. Well, I would go even further than this. I would say we are going to see very likely a lot of opportunities for solutions that are actually going to accompany the individual, the customer, through their different stages of life, as opposed to a product that's targeting a very small, narrow segment of the population, answering the needs at a very specific moment in their lifespan. I think we're going to be looking at more and more solutions um, that will grow with the individual. So I have to chime in on this topic too, because I've seen uh, companies be born around issues of the mom's boyfriend taking money from her, and then the younger son starting a company. And I've also seen the book, you know, Sibling Rivalry and Caregiving, where sometimes the caregiving money gets siphoned off by siblings. And, um, and then there's the grandparents, the desert of life, and how much do you save for them? So several people are saying now is the very best time to start a company when the economy is like it is. And so I was really excited to learn from all of the startups and Karen, I think you have a huge opportunity for growth. We work with nationwide ventures. So the VCs are interested, the corporate VCs are interested. Um, can you talk a little bit about credit as another vulnerable area that fraud finder can keep an eye on? Absolutely. The, you know, when first responders set out to investigate a case, you know, or when, when we think about assets being stolen, we think about cash depository accounts, but there's this whole other untapped area that is an individual's debt. You know, when you look at a person's financial picture, it is their assets, yes, but it is also their debt. And um, scams in many cases, when an older adult runs out of the cash in their accounts, the next thing that they do is they tap their debt. 
Maybe it's the equity in their home. Maybe it's cash advances on credit cards. And sometimes it's just their ability to get personal loans because of the great credit that they have built up. So what Fraud Finder can do, the same way that it looks at depository accounts like checking and savings, it looks at credit card accounts as well. Where was the money being spent? What spending doesn't line up with the lifestyle habits of the older adult that should have been using or maybe never used that card in the first place? You know, before we wrap things up, we like to, because of the nature of our podcast, Deal Talk, we like to provide some words of wisdom when when possible to other entrepreneurs, perhaps investors. So I'll, I'll, I'd like to give each of you a chance to pass along some of what you've learned. Karen, did you want to go first? Sure, sure. I have learned about the importance of the pivot. You know, you have this idea for a product and maybe it fits this really narrow niche, but you just think, you know, three, four, six steps down the road and the opportunities are much bigger than I think you thought when you started down the path. That's certainly what happened to me. I know it happened to a lot of other entrepreneurs. Um, it's just having that willingness to say, sure, let's try it. Ira? For me, I think that there, it's very interesting for me, both as a researcher, but also as um, head of the FinTech for Aging community and uh, acad academy. I think that we need more tools to um, engage with banks and insurance companies about their day-to-day -day and how they work with older adults. I think that there's also another an untapped opportunity in a lot of people who are on the verge of retirement and they haven't had yet the opportunity to pay all their student debts or their mortgages. So I think here it's not only about entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship it's also how financial advisors help people with financial planning, taking into account the huge amount of people on the verge of retirement who are still have an extensive amount of debt, sometimes over indebtedness. And this, of course, can threaten their well-being in retirement. So I think that this could be a next uh, an, a very a huge opportunity for innovation. But we need banks and financial advisors to work with us on that. Terrific. Uh, Orly, uh, your thoughts about maybe some passing along some words of wisdom for entrepreneurs that they should come to the age tech collaborative, right? Sure. Um, to me, I think it's really how this is concerning everyone. Not, not only people at retirement age, it's really an intergenerational topic. So targeting not only the 50 plus, but their loved ones, their children, their grandchildren, and having products that are accompanying them as they age and meeting them uh, where they're at, at every stage of life, I think it's going to be key um, to see success. Terrific. Now let's give everyone uh, some information about where they can reach out to you. Uh, Orly, since you're on the, you can go first, where can they find you? Sure. Uh, well, feel free to connect on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. And then if you are a company that's interested in learning more about the HTech Collaborative or are interested in joining the community, uh, you can visit us online at htechcollaborative.org. There's an apply today button and someone from the team will be more than happy to answer any questions you may have. Ira, where can people find you? People can find me at Ira at fintechforlongevity.com or uh, put their email in our website or LinkedIn. Uh, send me a private message. I'm always happy to learn from others. 
about new opportunities and solutions for the fintech longevity space. And Karen? I'd encourage people to check out fraudfinder.com, see how our software works. And if you want to get a hold of me, it's Karen at fraudfinder.com. And there's no E in finder. <laughs> F-I-N-D-R. Well, this is an issue all my friends are dealing with and, and talking about, you know, as they're trying to have a financial wellness plan for their life. So congratulations to all of you on the innovations and the work you're doing. And thank you for joining us today on What's Next Longevity Deal Talk. And we'll be talking much more about the cost of living increase for Social Security that we mentioned and, and the impact of elements of the Inflation Reduction Act in the coming weeks. So stay tuned. We want to thank the Age Tech Collaborative from AARP, our sponsor in this edition. And thank you for watching or listening. You can find us and the What's Next Living Longer, Better, Smarter podcast as well at maryfurlong.com slash podcasts.